0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Mindful Gemini podcast. My name is Nikki and I'm so happy you're listening. I have a lot of things that I want to share with you today, so without further ado, let's get into it. So some of you have noticed that I've been gone for two weeks and Whether I did that on purpose or on accident, I honestly wish I had the answer. But I'm here to talk about something else. My mental health has not been great. And if I'm being honest, that's okay. Hear me out. Isolation is one of my biggest fears and one of the top things that triggers my depression and anxiety. I can't be alone alone in the sense of I need human interaction. I'm an independent person and i enjoy doing things on my own from time to time but when i come home i need the company of a dog or another person to not feel extremely lonely i know that i could probably never live alone because i would get panic attacks at night even if i ever did live alone i know that i would have the music or the tv on throughout the house and throughout the night to make it seem like there are people inside so i was prepared for what this self-isolation would bring Or so I thought. The days started to blend together, and while for some that seems like the best vacation, it wasn't for me. Actually it was like hell for me. I started sleeping a lot, getting irritable, antsy, anxious, and forgetting to take my vitamins. I like to be productive and to make my days meaningful, even if it's something as small as just painting or drawing. Something other than sitting on my devices and not leaving my room. If I do nothing all day, I start to feel bad about myself. I don't know, it's just how my brain works right now. I was also getting anxiety because of everything going on and people making conclusions about the end of days. I started worrying about the unforeseen future, which isn't healthy. So I decided that it was time for a change. It took a lot for me to... Mentally prepare myself to get out of the spunk and even just go and sit in my living room for a change With things constantly weighing me down. I need to finish my essay. I need to clean my room I need to get in shape. I need to take care of my skin So much that I wanted to crawl into a ball and never leave my room Then after many affirmations saying Tomorrow I'm gonna try again, tomorrow I'm gonna paint, this afternoon I'm gonna go sit outside, this morning I'm gonna cook, I'm gonna be productive, I'm gonna talk to my family, and so on. My affirmations started to click in my head, and I finally got the energy and willpower to leave my room. Today I got up before noon and mowed the lawn, something I never saw myself doing last week. I can't say exactly what changed, and who knows, maybe tomorrow, I'll be back in my bed. But today felt good. It was good for my mental health, and I would like to keep it that way. I also feel like each time I have a dark day, as I call them, I'm getting better. Because now, I've started subconsciously and consciously telling myself, It's okay, tomorrow's a new start, this won't last forever something i had never heard myself say before but like i said this is different for everyone some people are using this time as a rejuvenating vacation taking time to sleep and eat and slow down from the fast-paced lifestyle while others are using this time to do projects they never had time for or connect with themselves and figure out what it is they want or using this time to get a dog establish themselves in their new house if they just moved or to find themselves after losing a job or getting out of a relationship or simply just using this time for a glow up however you're using your time I'm just using mine to do me is the best way I can describe it but moving on from that, I have a lot that I want to talk about today and before I get into any of those, I need to start off with this first one which is Cameo Basically, if you don't know what Cameo is, it's a website where they partner with any and every celebrity and famous person, whether that be an athlete, a YouTuber, a singer, actor, whatever. Basically, they partner with them and charge people for this celebrity to send them a video. And, you know, I'd seen Cameo before. I saw videos of a YouTuber named Lucas Kirkshank who would buy Cameos for the video, and he would see if they were basically worth the hype or not. And the other day, I was on Twitter, and I'd seen a different YouTuber that I follow who was going to start Cameo. And I'd never checked out the website before. I honestly just thought it was a weird concept literally paying someone to talk to you and i was just like you know what i'm gonna check out this website and see for myself what exactly it is with no intention of buying any cameos i did not buy any cameos thank goodness but basically i looked at this website and i was like oh my goodness (laughs) like the amount of celebrities and the different types of celebrities that are on here i was like what in the hell you know they had dog the bounty hunter they had youtubers of every kind they had caitlin jenner they had like just neil patrick harris even like they had so many different celebrities on there and it's like current but also you know celebrities from our childhood like Ander- annalise vanderpool who played chelsea on that's So raven corey from corey in the house david henry from wizards of waverly place like they had anyone and everyone on here and i was like okay like this is i mean good for them but also like i've never seen this amount of celebrities before and then in the bottom right hand corner it shows you how much they're charging for videos and y'all with some of these my jaw dropped some of them were charging $60, 70 80 even over $100. And, you know, I get it. Like, they're a celebrity. They gotta make their money and everything like that. But, like, most of the cameo videos I've seen either is, like, you know, people post them onto the celebrity's profile to show you, like, what it is they're, you know, saying to these people. And ones that have been posted on Twitter, they've been like less than a minute long at the most two minutes long and most of the time they're just kind of not even really doing anything i'm like sis if you're gonna charge a bunch of money at least give the people their money's worth and it's like the whole concept to me is so weird in the first place because literally you can tell these celebrities what to say and you're telling like you're paying them to say whatever you want them to say. And it's like, yeah, the celebrities can deny requests and everything, but it's just so weird and you know, I get it. You've always wanted your favorite singer to sing you happy birthday or you've always wanted that pep talk from your favorite athlete. But just this whole transaction, it's just a foreign concept to me. I really don't get it. And there were some people on here who man, some of these celebrities and YouTubers really think that they are on a high-level pedestal. Like, I went through some of the YouTubers exactly to see who was on there, because I thought, you know, technically, YouTubers are considered celebrities, especially since a lot of them are moving to mainstream media, and they're getting more acting gigs and stuff like that. So I thought that them, if any of the celebrities would know, you know, like, not a lot of people are really going to spend $60 on a one-minute video. And I was looking at some of these prices, and I was like, why are YouTubers charging $80, $100 for cameos? I'm like, what? And some of them I'd never heard of before, so I thought, you know, maybe this is someone with, like, 25 million subscribers who are, like, Devoted to them, and I've just never heard of them before. So I looked at some of these people's profiles, and there were three guys specifically who were charging eighty dollars for cameos, and they had twenty thousand subscribers, which you know to some is a lot, but technically, like, you know, when you're looking at it from like the partner standpoints and the business side of YouTube, twenty thousand isn't really a lot. And I'm like. Literally, people with a million subscribers, some of them are only charging $15. And it's like, you know, the celebrities and the YouTubers and the famous people who are charging under $15, like, I appreciate you. You know what people are actually going to spend. Like, you're doing it right. And it's like, YouTubers, for example, I don't think anyone should pay over, like, $13 for a YouTuber. And if it's a celebrity, definitely not over thirty. Personally, me, I wouldn't even spend five dollars. But it was like Caitlyn Jenner, for example. She was charging like fifteen hundred dollars for a cameo. I'm like, sis, nobody's gonna pay that. And if they do pay that, I want to know why. Because most of these like cameos are under a minute long. It, it's like at least give the people their money's worth, man. And you know like some of them i get it you know their managers are the ones who convince them to do it like this is really good for publicity it's gonna build relationships with your with your viewers or your followers like marketing stuff you know but at the same time they're your manager you're employing them you could tell them no And it's like, you know, I also thought maybe some of these people are putting up outrageous prices so that way nobody buys them and they don't have to do videos, which, like, if that's the case, then, you know, good on you. Like, that's a smart move. But realistically, people probably aren't doing that. And it's like, man, just some of these celebrities are up in the clouds and I'm going to need them to come down from the clouds to, like, bird's eye view and not even like bald eagle or hawk view i'm talking about like the blue jays and the robins and those little finch birds that hop on the sidewalk like i am gonna need you to come down to those bird levels instead of being up in the clouds and your rocket ships and stuff like that because the only difference between you and me sweetie is that your profession gives you exposure to a lot of people and you have money that's the only difference between you and me <laughs> yeah cameo is just such a weird concept but hey you do you all right so i was watching olivia sway's new podcast fish cheeks i have to say that so slow because with my lisp i know that i'm gonna butcher it but in this episode it was her and her co-worker mari takahashi And they were talking about being two Asian women in the entertainment, gaming, and comedy industries. They mentioned that not that long ago, there essentially could only be one token this. Like, one token Asian person, one token Black person, one token gay person, a token young person. You see where I'm going with this? And they talked about how whenever they heard that, they always questioned why. They discussed how... They felt competitive at times when going into auditions and everyone looked exactly like them. And this was before they realized that there's room for everyone. And it got me thinking of when I was in yearbook and my relationship with my coworkers. And I say co-workers because the environment we were in never felt like I was in high school. It always felt like a creative workplace. But with it feeling like a workplace also came the same drama, competitiveness, and sometimes hierarchies that came with high school. So I feel like school and work both try to challenge us to either rise above the difficulties or get caught up in them. And unfortunately, sometimes we got caught up in them. We're children. We still are. And I hope that we've all grown since then. But going back to Mari and Olivia, I am so happy that we're starting to see more diversity now. Granted, it is not as great as it could be, but we are seeing more and more people that look different from each other, whether that be body type, religion, race, sexuality, or even just hair color. When I was little, I always wanted to be like the Disney princesses and the Barbies I saw in the movies. They were everything to me. They're so beautiful and strong, and I would dress up as a different one every year for Halloween. But it wasn't until I saw Hairspray, the movie musical, with Tracy Turnblatt and her mom, and I said, hey, that girl looks like me. You know, she was a plus size girl and she had similar features to me. I was able to finally relate to someone. Even in media, we are tricked into thinking that we don't look like the models that were ugly because they were chosen for the campaign for a reason, right? So if I don't look like them, I must be ugly. See, this is all a trick by society to get us to buy certain clothes, cut our hair a certain way, buy this, do that, when in reality, each person is so unique and original. We should be showcasing what makes us, us. We wouldn't be- we shouldn't be trying to hide it. Granted, I'm saying this and still on my own path with accepting my appearance. But, I can say that I love myself a lot more than I did a few years ago. And it's okay to not like yourself entirely, and to even hate yourself from time to time. It's human, as long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else. And when Mari and Olivia were talking about how there's room for everyone, it reminded me of something I heard in a TED talk by a businesswoman a few years ago. She told the audience that they need to thank the women that got you where you are today. See, she was talking specifically about the glass ceiling, which if you don't know what the glass ceiling is, it is this metaphorical barrier that keeps women from CEO and presidential jobs, like high money earning jobs and high boss executive jobs, just because of our gender. And this woman who was giving the speech and presentation, she told the audience that we need to thank the women that got us where we are today. And it's okay to be competitive with each other, because if we're competitive with each other, in a way, it keeps us motivated and keeps us going towards the finish line or towards the goal that we want, because we are fighting for it with other people, because we're not the only ones that want it and it's okay to be ahead of other women, but you always have to remember that when you get to that goal or when you get to that finish line, you need to reach your hand back and pull those women up beside you and that's just some food for thought that I think a lot of people seem to forget nowadays. Okay, so moving on to our next topic, I am sure that all of you listening have heard about the Netflix documentary, Tiger King. I'm not really going to be talking about the documentary itself, per se. I'm more going to focus on some things I picked up on throughout the documentary. I have a whole list of notes here, and I'm not going to go through everything. I'm just going to talk about the main ones that I found interesting or reminded me of something or just things on my mind, I guess. And before I get too far ahead of myself, I want to put a disclaimer out there that I'm not a veterinarian. I'm not studying mammalogy. I have no experience with tigers or lions or bears or whatever. The only experience I have with cats are the feral ones that we feed outside in the front yard every day. But other than that, it's just a viewer observing a documentary and sharing their comments just want to put that out there so that way no one gets it twisted so the first note i have is do i think that joe abused his cats and initially in the beginning i do not think that joe exotic directly abused his cats you know i don't think he was sitting there slapping them or starving them or anything like that i think however his actions were the results of those animals not being in the best condition that they could be in and all of the people that were highlighted in this documentary you know carol doc joe all of them i think that they thought they had good intentions And on paper, it seemed like a good thing, but in reality, it was not healthy for any of the cats. And there came a point, like, I'm sure some of them, you know, started off with what they thought was good intentions. But for all of them, there came a point where greed took over. And, you know, some of them got into it because of greed and because of money and not because they like these animals, you know? Um, The employees at actual licensed facilities usually have some sort of degree or background in things such as mammology and veterinarianism and I don't think there was a single employee at any of these facilities that were highlighted in the documentary that actually had some sort of background and going into that it's also, you know, I know that some of these people were hired because it's the only job they could get but When talking about, like, the living conditions and how the animals were treated, you know, like, they were buying expired meat and giving it to these tigers, and the employees got first pick, and the tigers were left with whatever the employees didn't want, and, you know, I get it, they're not making very much, and they're living in poor living conditions, but I think that there are so many different programs that these people can get into, like, food stamps and stuff like that that can help them out and they can even get higher paying jobs because really these people aren't paying their employees like anything joe was paying his people i think 150 dollars a week and they're working eight to ten hour shifts and carol was paying her people i think like a hundred dollars a week and They were there through the holidays and working from like 9 a.m. to midnight, crazy hours where they're not even making $2 an hour. And it's like, there's so much liability. You know, we saw that one employee lose their hand. And so these people aren't in good conditions. And I'm sure that some of the employees there really did think that what they were doing was best for the animals. But a lot of them were just there because they need a job, I feel like. And. You know, the, going back to the meat situation, it's just not great because, you know, these people can get food, food programs and they can get higher paying jobs and stuff like that. The tigers, on the other hand, they solely depend on these people to feed them. It's like if they don't feed the tigers, the tigers have no other way of getting food. So the fact that these people are picking up what they want and then giving scraps to the animals, it's like... Are you kidding me? And it's like, there was a point where they had five buckets of meat to feed 14 tigers. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that's an adequate diet for tigers. You know what else is not an adequate diet? Feeding your husband to the tigers. But we're going to get into that later. Another thing is that right off the bat, Carol seemed to give off bad vibes to me. In the first episode, I believe, you know, Carol was sort of being a hypocrite. She was ragging on Joe Exotic, saying that, like, cats need 400 square miles or acres or basically a lot of room to roam, but yet her cats were in cages and sticking their heads through barbed wire boxes just to get water. And none of the people in this documentary are great people. None of them really know what they're doing. They say that they're doing, they say that they're creating sanctuaries and rehabilitating animals, stuff like that, when really they're not. Essentially, what they all are, are small profit zoos. They're just small for-profit zoos. That's what all of them are. I don't care if they call themselves a sanctuary. They are small profit zoos. And speaking of that, it reminded me of a backyard zoo that was at my county fair last year. You know, at first when I heard that this company, Sanctuary, quote unquote, was coming to the fair, I was really excited because I was going to get to see a tiger and I was going to get to see all these exotic animals because I love animals and I love learning about wildlife and I was so happy about it. It was all fine and dandy. And then I did my own research and I realized that's not really what it is. This company had the sanctuary, quote unquote, had been kicked out of 16 different counties across three or four states and even were kicked out of my county and somehow weaseled their way into our county fair. And I was like, why are they kicked out so much? And it turned out that they were essentially a backyard breeder and... You know, it was a free walkthrough, and they had had backlash because some of their employees said that all the employees and all of the owners just take the money for themselves because it's a free walkthrough, but they have jars up where you can donate, and it says that it's going to the animals, but allegedly the employees had posted on some sort of Facebook chain where none of the quote-unquote donations go towards the animals it all goes into their bank accounts and into their pockets and it was a free walkthrough you know you didn't have to pay anything so i went and what i did was i took photos of what was happening and i sent them to a local animal rights activist group and i also sent the photos in an email to my county fair saying i don't think that We should have these people here because it's sending a bad message you know the tiger i was there multiple days for multiple hours for concerts and other activities and not once did i ever see that tiger stand up he looked like he was dead at some points he was just taking a nap the entire time and it honestly i thought that he was tranquilized at one point because he just wasn't getting up and moving i saw that you know they're charging people to take pictures with a baby leopard and they had these like small animals in baby cribs and not adequate like food and not adequate spaces for them to stay in while they're there for hours on end and it's during the summer in california it can get very hot and it just was not a good idea to have those animals in it so I did take pictures and I sent it in an email to my county fair directors and I haven't heard anything back from them and it's been almost a year but at least you know I did my part and I feel like maybe they saw it maybe they made a difference I haven't heard of that company since then and there was one quote that one of the men in this documentary said that I did want to address he said People are out to destroy relationships between animals and humans. And I'm sure that some radical animal activists want that, but people who are actually educated and are normal people, I guess, really just, they want the safety for both animals and humans without taking away those wild instincts of the animals. There's a difference between preservation and conservation i'm in an earth conservation class right now and this comes up a lot in our different lectures preservation is maintaining something in its original or existing state and conservation is prevention of wasteful use of resources and An example of this would be like how Native Americans, for example, are ethical hunters and when they hunt buffalo, for example, they use the entirety of the carcass all the way down to the bone so that nothing gets waste. Whereas unethical hunters who hunt for game, sport, or fun don't utilize the carcass. They just kind of leave it for dead and let, you know, the lions take feed of it. Joe Exotic, for example, I don't know that he's like partnered per se with people but you know when a deer or a cow gets hit or gets shot they call him up and they donate that carcass to the tiger so that way they can eat but none of these people really are preservationists or conservationists because they're not maintaining the natural state that these lions and tigers would be in and they're also not preventing the wasteful, I guess, use of these cats. In a way, they're glorifying it. And there's also a difference between exploiting animals for monetary value and using animals for outreach programs. Exploiting is using these animals in malls or in county fairs or in shows, like we saw a lot of these people doing, you know, having people cuddle up to a baby snow leopard and take photos with it. Outreach programs, keep the animals and humans safe at the facility and they don't pose with these animals for photos. They learn about the species or the breed and the animals used in outreach programs are often rescued animals that aren't socially able to interact with others of their species. Or there's a certain reason why for the best interest of these animals as to why they can interact in a more intimate way with humans. And moving on into some of the people, Carol is a master manipulator. I want to say that right now. You know, there's so many different levels at her facility where people can be, you know, like a yellow shirt, a royal blue shirt, a navy shirt. And I don't get how she gets all these people to come back because, you know, they are working long hours with little pay and i don't think any of them have a ability to work a second job to be able to sustain themselves because they're working through holidays and for some reason these people these people keep coming back and she just comes off as very manipulative to me and even when they got into the part about the disappearance of her husband just the way she was like her demeanor and the way she's talking about it made my skin crawl because if you are being accused and there are allegations against you of feeding your husband to the tigers or putting him in a septic tank it's like you would somehow you would feel some sort of anger or disgust or just you would feel angry that people would even accuse you of that you like you wouldn't be joking around and, like, kind of laughing it off. And let's per se that she did, because I'm not saying whether she did or not. i not trying to get sued here. Let's just say that even if she did, just her laughing about it, making jokes, like, that just makes my skin crawl and I hate it. Like, you, a normal person would be outraged if those accusations were made against them. But she is not as bad as a manipulator as doc i do not like him at all he is like the supreme manipulator out of all of them and all these people on the show are bad but he really takes the cake essentially he's running a cult let's be honest point blank period he brings in these young women who are you know like early 20s and he makes them like his girlfriends or his wives or something like that joe is low-key he has like a small cult of his own but not to the extent that doc does he changes these women's names to have them promote the small profit zoo that's essentially what all these people are running they're running small for-profit zoos and he changes their names he tells them how to dress he has them call him lord Like, what? And he's having them all go vegetarian. He's telling them what to eat. The one woman that they interviewed, for example, she escaped his grasp, but not before they forced her to get a boob job. And it's like they literally made the appointment for her. She doesn't remember saying no because she was too scared to say no. And The only reason she really went along with it was so that way she could rest and get to sleep and not work for a day. It's like, isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah, and not to mention that one of his favorite lines to use is, These people can leave whenever they want. They're free to leave. Said every single cult leader ever. And I'm just like, dude... I think Amanda, who I've mentioned before, said it best when she said that the guy from Miami who's, like, involved in drugs and supposedly, like, cut up that FBI dude, like, he's the most normal one out of all these people, and even he's still not normal, and as weird as that sounds, it's honestly the truth, because these people are on, like, a whole nother planet, and, you know, I get that some of the employees are broke and can only afford so much, but Why don't you pay your employees enough to where they can afford non-expired meat instead of getting first pick before the animals? You know, humans can quit their jobs or enroll in programs for low-income people or get a higher-paying job to be able to pay for groceries. The animals, however, they solely depend on you what you give them is what they live off of so you taking first pick is essentially leaving scraps for these animals that you supposedly care about and someone on the show i forgot who it was they said this quote that i think is the whole premise of why these people are doing what they're doing the guy said once you can't use them for money anymore they're just a bill to pay And I think that that's the whole mindset of these people, like Carol and Joe and Doc and others out there like them. Specifically, this guy was talking about how um, they could only use the baby cats, the kittens, for a certain amount of time before they could take someone's finger off until they become where you just have to feed them and all of that stuff. And I feel like these people... If they didn't originally go into it for money, I feel like there was a time where just greed and money and monetary gain took over. And this isn't the mindset that someone who actually cares about the animals and someone who actually is a conservationist or a a preservationist, that's not the mindset that people who are actually in those fields have the mindset of them is that they're going to take care of the animals whereas these people most of them are very money hungry and very ego driven and uh, i don't know man like and these people are just dangerous you know the whole thing between joe and carol about how joe allegedly put snakes in her mailbox on her birthday and how he had that dummy that he named Carol that he blew up with dynamite and shot at and how even Carol was making threats against him. Like just these are not people that need to be raising animals and taking care of animals. These people need the help or to go to jail or something. These are not the people that we should be entrusting with these animals, man. But yeah, that's all I think I'm going to say on Tiger King, just because there's like a million and one other people who have made full videos dedicated to the entire Netflix documentary, and I feel like, if I'm being honest, Netflix has really hit, like, gold with these documentaries, because a lot of their original shows and original movies just are subpar, and don't really hit that mark, but when it comes to documentaries, Netflix has found gold with these weird stories to tell, and they should probably keep it up, because, I mean, it's bringing them revenue, it's bringing them customers, and it's bringing people to watch Netflix, even though I personally, right now, am preferring Hulu over Netflix, but they have struck gold with these weird stories, so keep up at it. Netflix just Don't make us all go insane, I guess. So, last week I asked on my Instagram, what are some topics you guys want me to talk about? And if you're not following me on my Instagram already, you should definitely be doing that. It is Nikki X Daniels, N I K K I X D A N I E L S. Or you can follow the Mindful Gemini on Instagram. I'm a lot more active on Nikki X Daniels. But anyway, one of my friends swiped up on the little Instagram story and they said dreams. And I thought that this was an appropriate topic to talk about right now because a lot of us, I feel like, are in the same boat. A lot of us are having very vivid dreams right now. And that's mostly to do because our brains are not being exercised or stimulated within this lockdown. And so our brains are having to exercise themselves at night. So we're all getting these very vivid dreams because that's our brain trying to work itself. And you know, a lot of us are in a very different kind of daily routine than we would be at say work or school. So we're not getting the same amount of exercise and the same amount of brain stimulation as we would without the lockdown and A lot of us are staying up later because a majority of us there isn't a lot to do during the day so we're not as tired going to bed at night and i was doing some research and a few different ways that you can stimulate your brain while on lockdown you can start writing with pen and paper you can read a book going for a run actually helps stimulate your brain and exercising as well as puzzles Puzzles can stimulate that part of the brain that causes us to dream. I forgot what the technical term is, but puzzles can really be a great way to do that as well as they get us mobile and they're making us use our arms and parts of our bodies that we wouldn't normally use, I guess you could say. Because, you know, a lot of us right now, our screen times are doubling or tripling because We're sitting at home watching Netflix or playing Animal Crossing or on YouTube or something. So our sleep schedules are completely messed up. I know mine is completely messed up. I'm sleeping until anywhere from 10 a.m. until 1 o'clock in the afternoon is about like the window that I usually wake up and it's like I feel like my whole day is wasted after that but other than that i also kind of wanted to touch on reoccurring dreams and weird things that happen because i'm someone who really values dreams and i always think that there's some sort of meaning or some sort of link between a dream and reality oftentimes you know for example i have two different reoccurring dreams i've had since i was younger and they're not like at a consistent basis it's just that i have these dreams like multiple times and the one that i've had the longest is where i am walking down a hill like the hills in san francisco for example and the hill is so steep that my feet are out in front of me so naturally because it's so steep i fall and i start rolling and falling down the hill But the weird thing about it is that I always end up catching myself on the front tire of a car that is parked uphill, and I'm just kind of, like, sitting there trying to pull myself up, and then I, like, all of a sudden wake up, and I don't know, that's just been, like, I've never looked into any meaning behind it. I think it's just, like, my brain kind of had that vivid dream one night and decided to stick with it. Another is where I am the only person who is flipping and twirling in the air, and nobody seems to notice me, and then I wake up dizzy in real life. I remember one time that this was in a dream. It was at a funeral, which made it worse, because here I am, like, trying to, you know, mourn the loss of whoever it was, and I'm flipping through the air, and nobody seems to notice... And you know, I don't know, I think dreams are very weird and there's some sort of higher power or magic, if you will, that influences dreams all the time. You know, I've also been able to predict things in my dream, as weird as that sounds. I remember this one time that will always stick with me. I was in eighth grade in middle school and it had to be like a Sunday night, like around the weekend, because I had a dream where I was in my PE class and there was this kid that I was friends with that in real life was not in that class, but in this dream he was running laps with us. And I thought that that was kind of weird. I was like, okay, but you know, it's a dream. You just kind of go with it. And so the next day it had to be like a Monday or like the first day of the week that we go back to school. and. He comes up to our friend group in the morning and he says, guys, they changed my schedule today. We are like, why? He said, I don't know. They just did. So then we're all like looking at a schedule and it goes my turn to look at a schedule. And I see that he has the same period PE as me, but there are three teachers that teach PE each period. And so I thought like, oh, there's no way he has the same teacher as me. So then I look over and of course he's in the same class as me. So I was like, that is so weird. Cause I had such a vivid dream about that happening the night before. And there have been a few different instances where stuff like that has happened. But that was the first time I was like, whoa, like am I psychic or something? And you know, sometimes I'll have dreams that just really stand out to me that have some sort of influence over my day the next morning. Like For example, my senior year of high school, I had a dream where one of my friends that I used to talk to in French class my junior year, she like died pretty much and we were at her funeral and everyone was mourning it. And so the next day I was like, holy crap. So I go to my French class senior year and she's in that class as well. We both had French the same class period two years in a row together. And I go up to her and I'm like, hey, I know this is kind of weird because we don't really talk a whole lot anymore, but I had a really weird dream last night and I just felt the need to come up and ask you, like, are you okay? Is there anything going on? Is there anything I can help you with? Because I don't know, I just had this weird dream and I felt like I needed to come make sure that you're okay. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Like, I've been a little stressed lately, but yeah, I'm okay, but thank you, though, and I was like, okay, but I don't know, things like that just, they weird me out, man. Dreams can be wild sometimes, and I find it funny how, you know, our dreams can come up with crazy scenarios, and for some reason, we just, like, don't mind it. You know, we could be sitting down having lunch with Mr. and Mrs. Obama, and then all of a sudden, we're at, like, saddle ranch and we're riding a bull and we're like this is normal it's normal for us to be grabbing lunch with michelle and barack like okay because in real life wouldn't you be like freaking out or being anxious or something like that i don't know i feel like there's some sort of higher power or mystical thing that has influence over our dreams that or our brains are just complete whack jobs Well, you guys I think that is going to be it from me this week I know it was a bit of a shorter episode But the day that this goes live is Easter Sunday And so for those of you listening when this goes live I don't want to take you away from your families too long Especially because of the state we're currently in so I hope those of you who celebrate Easter have an amazing holiday happy Easter. I hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy. I hope that you're able to go to church services online and stay within your property limits. All of you little ones out there, I hope that you got a visit from the Easter Bunny. And thank you all so much for listening. I love you guys. Thank you for your support always. I'm so happy to be back and yeah, I will see you guys next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye!